Amos 3. 3, 7. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. You guys having a great time already? Uh, who, who was here this past weekend with Pastor Dr. Dell? Amen. It was awesome, right? It was great, right? It was, it was eye-opening, right? I don't know about you, but this, this whole end times thing is, is stirring me up. I remember maybe a month or two ago, me and Pastor, we started talking about a few things and you know, just kind of like been like dominoes since then, you know, and it's really eye-opening, amen? So here tonight, we're going to get into this, Amos 3, 7, you guys got it? Amen. Father, have your way tonight, speak to us, God, use your word, in Jesus' name, amen. It says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Amen? Indeed, this, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Amen? You guys can go ahead and be seated here tonight. And, and Sister Carmine, I just thank you for, for being obedient to the Holy Spirit because there's a prophetic gifting here tonight. Amen? There is a prophetic gifting in this place. Amen? Sister Carmen, she walks in the prophetic, right? Even uh, Pastor Paul, you know, he, he walks in the prophetic. You know, when we think of, prof of prophetic and, and prophets, we think maybe loud, right? But when you look in the book, when you look in the Bible, right, and you look back in history, the prophets, they were kind of quiet people, right? They were kind of to themselves, right? They were maybe a little weird, right? They wear sandals in church. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? But, but it's, it's because of the prophets why the church knows what God is doing. Amen? And that's what we read here in Amos 3, 7. It says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Amen? And I just want to touch uh, uh, real quick on, on where we ended uh, last Thursday, and even, you know, I, I believe it was confirmation from the women in their discipleship that a word was spoken to them in Acts 2, 17 through 21. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Right. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. It says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Amen. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Amen. So I believe that as we study the end times, as we get into eschatology, right? Last week, that's where I spoke about, and even Pastor Dr. Dell spoke about it, about eschatology, about the study of the last things, of the end times, right? Uh, of, of heaven and hell, of life and death, of, of even, uh, you know, unfulfilled prophecies. Right. And tonight we're going to continue in that vein. We're going to continue on that theme and we're going to get into some prophecy. Amen. We're going to get into some prophecy. We're going to get into some enlightenment that God gave one of his servants. Amen. But before we get there, I just want to give a little bit of background for prophecy. Amen. So I want to encourage you, if you can, take some notes. Right. Take out your phone. You got a little notepad right there. Memo. Right. Let's take some notes. Amen. Because uh, I'm going to kind of just go through this because in in a half hour, 45 minutes, there's no way that we can go through it all. Amen. That Pastor Paul can teach a 10 week course on prophecy and barely scratch the surface. Amen. So tonight we're going to get a crash course and we're even going to be looking into the book of Daniel. Amen. So I, I want you to take some notes and I want to encourage you that, you know, when you go home throughout the week, that you go ahead and you begin to study the word, that, that you don't just take what I say for granted, you don't just take what Pastor Stevon says for granted, but you go back and you search it out yourself, 
Amen? Because when you do that, God will reveal something for you specifically. Amen? And I just want to give a shout-out for the Inspire Young Adults. Amen? Praise the Lord. Woo! We have, we have great life groups. We actually decided to split, amen, this last year, and we've, been, we've seen growth, right? I think we probably doubled, right, that we were having one, one, life, uh, one life group last semester, and, and we had about 15, 20 people, and so we decided to split. Now we have two life groups going on per week with 15, 20 people, you know, so we're reaching anywhere from, you know, I say 20 to, to 40 people on a week, which is great. Amen. So, you know, it's awesome. So I want to encourage even you uh, uh, other life group leaders that if the spirit of God leads you to step out, because for us, we were like, oh, man, I don't know. Like we were debating, but but God showed himself faithful. Amen. So I just want to encourage you guys as life group leaders. Amen. So when it comes to prophecy, amen, God always gives clear warning to his people through prophets before he begins his move, right? Before he does anything, that's what we read here in the scripture, he reveals it to his servants, right? That we see even, you know, with Abraham, right? That God revealed it to him, right? And even Jesus, and he speaks in Matthew about how he, he, he considers his disciples, he says, no longer are you slaves, right? But you are my friends. And because you are my friends, I tell you everything, right? And then even there was even more so where John the Beloved, where, where God revealed to him in the book of Revelation some more insight, Amen? Because they were the servants of God. Amen? So God always gives clear warning to his people through his prophets before he begins what he's going to do. And it might even be judgment. Amen? So like a father or a mother warns their children about doing wrong. Amen? How many, how many parents do we have in the house? Right? Manny, right? I know myself. I always tell Julian, don't do that. Don't do that. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. Right? You know, don't do that or else, right? That's, that's what God does through prophecy, where he says, hey, you guys need to turn back. You guys need to get right. You guys need to focus. You guys need to do this or else, right? You need to stop serving those other gods or else, right? You need to stop sleeping around or else, right? God uses his word. He speaks. He gives warning. God just doesn't come down and cross judgment. No, he, get, he says, hey, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right? Amen? That, that, you know, God gives warning. Amen? God gives warning. Amen? Like a father or mother, you know, tells their children, God does the same for us. So what is prophecy? Amen? The definition for prophecy is the spoken or written word from God to foretell and foretell. Right? It's a vision or glimpse of what is to come revealed by God and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's a glimpse into the future. Right? It's a glimpse into what's to come. And you may be thinking, man, that's kind of crazy. Right? That's kind of weird. Right? But it happens all the time. Right? Sister Carmen just gave us a glimpse into the future. Right? If you didn't catch it, this is what she said. There's going to be a prophetic healing ministry in the church. Right? So what does that mean? That we may not see it now, but in the, in the next coming weeks, in the next coming months, within the next year, there's going to be people that come in here sick, that are going to come in here in wheelchairs, that come in here blind and broken and hurting, and they're going to get healed. Amen? She gave us a glimpse in the future. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inspired her to say that. Amen? That's prophecy. Prophecy is not all this kind of weird, crazy stuff, and you need a crystal ball and all these cards. That's fake, that's fake prophecy. That's satanic. Amen? God speaks to his people. God reveals to his people. Amen? And especially about the end times. I was tripping on this earlier that from the beginning, God spoke about the end. Right? From the beginning, God spoke about the end. Right? He even used Noah 
as an illustration of the end, right? All throughout the Bible, God is always giving you a hint. Hey, this is it. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. Don't get too comfortable. You're only here for a season. You're only here for a while, that there's something greater ahead of you, that there's a bigger kingdom, a better kingdom, right, to look forward to. So prophecy is a vision or a glimpse of what is to come, amen, revealed and inspired by God. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter. I'm going to try to stick to my notes and try to teach, amen. 2 Peter 1, verses 19 through 21. Last Thursday it was freezing cold. This Thursday it's kind of hot. You guys got it? Sorry, 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. It says, because of that experience, what experience are they talking about? The transfiguration, if you read before. Because of that experience, we have ever greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Amen. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Amen. Prophecy is not something that we conjure up, right? It's not something that we just think. No, it's something that God puts upon our heart. It puts in our mind, right, through, through the Holy Spirit, through discernment. He quickens us. He gives us a glimpse. He gives us a word. He gives us a message. And we as his servants are to speak it, right? And we should understand that whenever someone brings a word, don't think, hey, it's coming, it's coming from them. Now, be aware there are false prophets. Jesus warned of that. That there will be people that try to bring words and, and, and try to stir things up. But like in the Old Testament and even in the, in the New Testament, that they had to check things with love, right? That, it, that if it was coming with love, even a correct, a correction, a rebuke, if it was coming with love, then it was accepted, right? But if it was causing division, if it was causing strife, then they would cast it away, right? So we have to, just like the disciples here said, you know, we must pay attention to the words for they are like a light, a lamp shining in a dark place, amen, and it even refers to the Christ the morning star coming back, amen, prophecy and the word is like a road map or a treasure map giving us clues and turn-by-turn direction to our destination and to our prize, amen, this last week in our life group, we went over our mission statement, right, that, we, that victory outreach we're called to instill within people, right, dignity, destiny, and belonging, right, that we all have a destiny. What does the word destiny mean? It means a destination, right? There's somewhere that God wants to take you to, amen, and prophecy is going to help us get there, right? The word of God, messages coming from the pulpit, right, people speaking words into your life is going to get you to where you're going, right? And I just want to share uh, uh, an, uh, an experience that we had you know, uh, maybe a, a few months ago, me and my wife, we, we went on a little getaway, right? We went on a little getaway to, to Livermore, amen? <laughs> That's what you do when you got two little kids and you're on a budget, right? You, you take a $100 getaway to Livermore, amen, and, and you just stay the night there. But, you know, we went Saturday to Sunday, and, and we were going to play hooky from church, right? But then we're like, man, we got to go to church. So 
the church where Shana was working at, at in the daycare was right down the street. We ended up going there. And, and, you know, the service was good. The message was good. You know, the spirit of God was good. And then after that, we're getting ready to leave. And this, this older lady comes up, and she looks kind of weird, right? She's got jewelry. Oh, it's weird, you know, kind of baggy clothes. You know, it looked nice, but it was like she looked different, right? She was kind of hippie-ish, you know? And uh, it was one of those kind of like churches, you know? Um, but she comes up to us, and she begins to prophesy over us, right? She begins to prophesy. And this was right after we had our evaluations, and everything that we talked about, she confirmed it. I don't know this lady, right? I never talk, We never talked to her, right? I don't know if my wife ever seen her, you know? But she comes up to us, and she literally confirms everything that Pastor and Sister Chella were talking to us about, right? Confirmed everything, right? Even how we were talking about, you know, Sister Chella mentioned, she's like, I see you as like a Daniel. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And this lady says, you're a Daniel, right? And I'm like, what? You know, what does that even mean? You know, but I had to take that to heart. I had to receive it, that she confirmed it. See, that's prophecy. When people speak that, don't get all weirded out, but, but take it and say, okay, God, show me what it means. Reveal it to me, right? And that, and that takes prayer. That takes fasting. That takes getting into the word, right? I've always loved the character of Daniel. I've always loved the book of Daniel. I've always loved, you know, the stories that, that are there in Daniel with the lion's den and with the fiery furnace and even, you know, with, with Nebuchadnezzar and, and all that stuff. It always fascinated me. You know, so uh, trying to understand what does it mean that when she said that I'm going to be a Daniel in my, in my generation, right? And then now getting into learning about the end times, I'm like, okay, God, is this what you're calling me to do, like, to speak about this? You know, that it's, it's prophecy. We can't, don't get afraid of it, but embrace it, amen? It is a roadmap. It's a turn-by-turn direction to your destiny, to your destination, right? People are going to give you words. They're going to give you encouragement, amen, that we must hold on to them and heed to them. Amen? So tonight, that's going to lead us. I just want to do a little bit of an intro to prophecy so that we don't get all kind of weirded out. That it's real, right? That it's real, that it's applicable, right? That we can take it, you know, that God does speak to us, right? God didn't just speak thousands of years ago, but no, God speaks today, right? God speaks right now. God speaks through his people, through his messengers to us, his church. Amen? So we must have an attentive ear. Amen? Are your ears open tonight? Amen. So I want to I look at something here in the book of Daniel. Amen. If we could turn to Daniel 9. Very uh, popular, well, I think it's popular, portion of scripture in Daniel 9. Amen. One of the most famous chapters about end time prophecy. Right? Jesus referred to it. Right? John, you know, in the book of Revelation refers to it. Amen. So we're going to look at the vision, the prophecy that God gave Daniel uh, about the end time and, and, and specifically even about the, the, the Jews of the Jewish nation. Amen. So Daniel 9, 20, uh, starting in verse 21. It says, as I was praying, Gabriel, who had seen who who I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me, and at the time of, of the evening sacrifice, he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. Amen. There's a message right there, right? As soon as you began to pray, the message was given for me to come, right? And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. 
A period, sorry, a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring an everlasting righteousness, and to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt and the streets and strong with the Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defense despite the perilous times. Amen. What does that mean? Right? Is anybody else thinking that right there? What does that mean? Seven sets of seven, 70 sets of seven, 62 sets of seven. What does that mean? Right? The anointed one, the ruler, right? What does this mean? That's what we're going to get into here tonight. We're going to talk about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Amen. The 70 weeks of Daniel, amen, that, 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 that really foreshadows pretty much where we're at right now. See, we're living in a prophecy, if you didn't know that. We are living in a prophecy that this prophecy, as, we, as, we, as we're going to learn, it has been halfway fulfilled, right? And we're slap dab in the middle of it. Right. We're right at the middle. And I believe and even like Pastor Dell was saying that we're at the transition period from one phase to the next. Amen. That the 70 weeks of Daniel represents pretty much everything that happened from the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Right. To the building of the temple, to the coming of the Messiah, to the to the denial of the Messiah, to the rejection of the, the, the Messiah, to the crucifixion of the Messiah right, into the church age where we're at today, the time of the Gentiles, right, and it even goes into the rise of the Antichrist and the, and, and the rapture, and it goes into the second coming, and that's where it ends, right, so this whole prophecy, right, some has been, has been fulfilled, we're fulfilling it right now, and then there's still more yet to come, amen, so when he says a, a period of 70 sets of seven, what he's, re what he's talking about is 70 weeks, Right now, how many days are in a week? Seven. Right now, in prophecy and Bible time, even in Jewish culture, that there's different definitions for days, for weeks. Right, a week represents you know uh, seven, and each day represents a year. Right, so 70, w 70 weeks of years. Right, so each week having seven days, each day representing a year. So seven times seven equals 490 years. Right, that's what. Daniel was talking about here. Daniel was, Daniel's vision that, that God gave to him says that there's, there's 490 years decreed upon you and your people, right, from the, from the command to rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, right? So they knew exactly when the Messiah was going to come, right? They were, given, they were given a starting point. They were given a duration, right? And they said this is what's going to happen on this, on this day. Right. Gabriel came and gave him a warning. That's like if I say, hey, uh, Ricky, in two days, I'm going to come to the home. Be ready. Right. And I show up in two days and Ricky's not there. And I go up oh, and then I just go on my way. Right. Well, I gave him a warning. I told him I'm going to be there. And Ricky thinks, oh, he ain't going to be here in two days. He might be here in three days. Right. So th there's a warning. There's a time. Right. 490 years seems like a long time, especially if someone told us 490 years, you'd be like, I'm not even going to live 490 years, right? What importance is it, right? But see, for the Jews at this time, they were in captivity, 
right? They were in captivity. They were in bondage, right? They were in bondage for about 63 years at the time that Daniel got this vision, right? Or 60, 67 years, actually, when Daniel got this vision, right? And even before that, when you read in the scripture that Daniel says, through reading the book of Jeremiah, I understand that there's 70 years of, tr- uh, of, of you know, um, of bondage for our people. And he was coming to the end, so he was excited, right? So here we are. So he's talking about 70, 70 weeks, 490 years, amen? So it says, now listen and understand, right? So there's going to be seven sets and then 62. It all comes down. So he's talking about the first 69 weeks, amen? And right now where we're at, we're in the middle of the 69th week and the 70th week, Right? And that's what we're going to go through. The 69 weeks have already been fulfilled. From the command to rebuild Jerusalem, right, to the coming Messiah. Amen. So there's four decrees. You know, Gabriel told Daniel, look, you know, pay attention and look for a decree. Right. See, Daniel didn't know when the decree was going to be, so he had to wait patiently. Right. And, and, and he didn't even get to experience it. So, you know, there's something coming where Jesus says, be ready. Right. And we don't know exactly when it is, but as soon as it happens, then other things are going to take place after that. Right. So here's Daniel and, and God tells him, you know, when there's a decree to rebuild Jerusalem, re- to rebuild the streets, to rebuild the wall. Right. From that time, 490 years. Right. That there's going to be uh, uh, the Messiah or actually 483 because it's 62. Amen. I, there's a whole lot of numbers. Right. There's a whole lot of numbers. I felt like I was doing like accounting when I was studying this. I had my calculator out. You know, my wife was like, what are you talking about? And you guys are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. I'm going to try to bring clarity. Lord, help me give clarity right now in Jesus name. Amen. So there are there were four decrees that were made. The first decree was by Cyrus in 537 B.C. We could read about this in Ezra. Right there. The second one was by Darius. That's also in Ezra. And the third one was by Artaxerxes in 458 B.C., also in the book of Ezra. But see, these first three uh, 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 decrees, the issue was that they were decrees to rebuild the temple, not the city. Right. What did the prophecy say? Right. What did God say to Daniel to rebuild the city, not the temple? Right. To rebuild the walls, not the temple. And as you read in Ezra, Ezra went and he tried to rebuild the temple, but they couldn't succeed. Why? Because they didn't have the protection. Right. They weren't fortified. Amen. That they tried to build the temple before building their character. Come on. I'll I'll preach a little bit right there. Amen. That sometimes we try to build our prestige before we build our integrity. Right. Before we protect ourselves. Right. Before we 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 shake off those things that so easily entangle us. We want to get on the worship team and we want to get involved in leadership. Right. Before we build the wall. Right. Before we protect ourselves, before we build prayer and, and, and fasting and, 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 and accountability and faithfulness. We want the title. Right. See, Ezra wanted to build the temple. But he should have understood that, man, you need a wall first. Because they were building the temple, and then enemies would come, and boom, boom, knock them out, you know. And they couldn't succeed time after time after time. So Nehemiah, being a wise, per, being a wise man, said, hey, I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'm going to go rebuild the walls first, right? So he goes to the king, Artaxerxes, and Artaxerxes in 445 B.C. gives Nehemiah the permission to go rebuild the walls and the city of Jerusalem. Amen? So that is our starting point for the 69 weeks. Right. That is the starting point of the 69 weeks. 
445 B.C. And going back to school, I hope you understand that when it's B.C., the clock turns backwards, right? So it doesn't go, you know, 445, 446. No, it goes 445, 444, 443, down to zero. Jesus is born, and then here we are today. Amen? So the, four, the fourth decree is what we're going to consider. Amen? The, starting in 445 B.C., so if you count 445 B.C., and also at the time, just a little understanding that their calendar, a year wasn't 365 days, it was 360 days, right? It was 360 days, so when you multiply, when you multiply 360 days by 69 years, or by 483 years, you get 173,880 days, right? What's the importance of that number? You'll find out in a minute, right? 173,000. 880 days. Now, this takes us back. Like, we don't have to wonder, well, what happened? Why? Because we believe in Christ, right? We, we all are here tonight because we believe that Christ is the Messiah, right, that he died. And if not, I, want, I hope, hope that what we're learning here tonight would, would open your eyes to that a little bit more and, and solidify that, amen, in your life. So 173,880 days, amen. So Jesus... You know, when we look at the life of Jesus, there's a, there's a day that we must consider, amen, that, that when did Jesus allow people to worship him as king, right? Jesus didn't walk around saying, I'm the Messiah, come worship me, right? It was actually the contrary. He always told people, shh, 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 be quiet, be quiet. My day's not come yet, right? His mother said, hey, turn water into wine. He says, woman, it's not my day yet, right? Chill, relax, right? It's not time, right? Even when people come and you're the Messiah, he says, shh, don't tell nobody, be healed, but don't tell nobody, right? Why? Because his time hasn't, has yet, hasn't had it come yet, amen? But at this day, on the triumphal entry, right, not only does Jesus say, worship me, but he organizes it, right? He tells his disciples, okay, what we're going to do is you're going to go down, you're going to get a colt, you're going to bring it back, we're going to ride into the city, he rides into the city, right? Everybody's worshiping him, Hosanna, Hosanna, Palm Sunday, right? or, or uh, you know, and they throw in the palm leaves on the ground and everything, and they're welcoming him in, Right, and even the Pharisees come, and they say, hey, you guys need to stop singing that song, right? Because the song they were actually singing is found in Psalms 118, right, where it pr pretty much proclaims Christ as Messiah, right? So we're going back, going back to the prophecy, right? What did God tell Daniel? From the command to rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, right? That's the day Jesus said, the Messiah's here, right? I'm here, Right? But as we read in Jesus, when he comes in in Luke, and he comes on, uh, you know, on the hill into Jerusalem, he begins to weep. Why? Because the people weren't ready. The people didn't take heed to the prophecy. The people didn't, you know, understand the importance of that very day. They just thought it was another day. They just thought it was just another day, work, and do whatever, right? But they didn't, they weren't valuing the importance of that's the day the Messiah was going to come. Amen? So... Again, 173,880 days. The triumphal entry, amen, was on April 6th, April 6th in the year 32 AD, the fourth Passover in Jesus' ministry, amen, that Jesus' ministry began in the fall of 28 AD, and we can confirm this in Luke 3.1, amen. And so going back to Artaxerxes, and if we do the math from 445 all the way to... to, to um, to 32 AD, amen, it, it, it brings us, it's kind of hard to do this without like a PowerPoint, amen, 
Um, I need to learn in that area. I need to grow in that area to how to do some PowerPoint stuff. Amen. But if you do all the math, right, if you do all the math and you add it up, amen, that from 445 to 32 AD is 173,740 days, right? But wait, I thought the number was 880 days, right? But see, if you add the time between March 14th when the decree was made to April 6th, it's an additional 24 days, so you add that. And then also, too, understanding that when they changed the calendar, they implied, impl- impli- oh, what is the word? They impl- implemented a leap year, right? We have leap years today, right? Every four years, they add a day, right? So for 472 years, you add, add a day every four years. That's another 116 days, right? So you got 173,740 days plus 24 days plus 116 days comes out to 173,880 days to the day. Amen? I know you're like, what? I'll show you the math after. Amen? But it's to the day, right? That when, G- when, when, when Daniel was given the vision and, 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 and God confirmed it and said it's going to be this many days, from the time of the decree to the coming Messiah, right? From the time that Artaxerxes gave the decree to the day that Jesus stepped on the scene in Jerusalem was the exact amount of days, right? There was nobody else. It was only Jesus, amen? Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that was given 600 years before he was even there, right? 600 years, and, and so there was no way to mess it up. Right? See, so the message is that when God sets something in motion, he brings it to completion. Amen? Just like the word says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Amen? That if he saved you, he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set you free. He's going to use you. If God's given you a vision to be a preacher, to be evangelist, right? If you see your family being restored, and it's going to come to pass. But you have to be faithful. You have to hold on to it. Amen? That whatever God says, he's, ho- he's bound to it. He's bound to his word. Right? God is bound to his word. He couldn't change his plan because he gave a decree. He had to hold to that. Amen? And Jesus came right at the right time. Right? He came at the right time so that we can be saved. Amen? And because of the Jews not accepting him, he says, okay, now you got to wait. How long? I don't know. My father knows. Amen? And that's where we're at today. We're in that time in between the 69th week and the 70th week. When Jesus came in and, and, and on the triumphal entry, that ended the 69th week. Right? The 69th week. And the 70th week, there's another decree. Right? As we, if we continue to read in Daniel, it says, And then after this period of 62 sets of 7 plus 7, an, the anointed one will be killed. Right? Who's the anointed one? Jesus, right? Was Jesus killed? Yes, he fulfilled another prophecy. Amen? Not only did he come, but he was killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Right? When you think about it, did Jesus seem to accomplish anything on the cross? Did his, did his disciples think he accomplished anything on the cross? No, they were discouraged. They went back to fishing. Right? They thought, oh, man, we thought that he was going to come and he was going to overthrow Rome and that we were going to rule the world. And then he di- now he's dead. Right? He appeared to, to, to gain nothing. That's what the prophecy says. Right? So, he, so the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler 
will rise, whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Do you guys know what happened in 70 AD? Right after Jesus died, 34 years after Jesus' death, you know what happened? The, Ro the Roman uh, Empire came in, and they destroyed the city, and they waged siege on the city. They destroyed the temple. They killed men and women. They killed a million Jews. Right? That's the prophecy. Right? The, the Messiah, the anointed one, would be killed, gaining nothing. And then a ruler would rise up and destroy the city, and everything happened. And to this day, there is no temple for the Jews to worship in. Right? If you go to Jerusalem, there's no temple. There's no temple. Right? Right? They're continually fighting and waging war. Right? And as we continue to read, it says, And whose armies will destroy the city and the temple, the end will come with a flood and war, and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. From that moment, from, from that day when Jesus was killed into now, there has never been peace in the Middle East. Right? They haven't experienced peace. They haven't, you know, there hasn't been a time where they haven't been persecuted. Right? There hasn't been a time where they haven't been kicked out of their own land. There hasn't been a time where they've been able just to sleep at peace and, and own their own property since that time. Thousands of years. Why? Because they didn't accept the Christ. Right? Because in prophecy it said, you know, that that would happen. That there would be a flood. Not a flood of water, but a flood of violence. Amen. As it's written in Isaiah 59, it says, when the enemy shall come like a flood, right? Persecution and, and, and they were scattered throughout the world, right? But how, is the how are we seeing the transition now? Now Israel is being restored, right? 1967 wasn't only a pivotal time for Victory Outreach. Amen. It was a pivotal time for Israel, right? That's the time where they regained their land, where they were, you know, a, 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 a city again, a nation again. Right, even with Donald Trump announcing, you know, Jerusalem as a capital, right? We're seeing these things happen, that we're in a transition period now, right? That the 70 weeks are upon us, right? So what are we waiting for? Let's look some more in the prophecy here. It's not finished. It says, <clears throat> then the end will come with the flood and war and its miseries and decreed from that time to the very end. Verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. Right, going back, what's a set of seven? Seven years, right? The, who's the ruler, right? Who's the ruler? The Antichrist, right? The Antichrist, the, the man of perdition, the lawless one, right? Even in other translations, the Assyrian, right? He's not going to be American, right? He's not going to have blonde, you know, hair that looks like cotton candy, <laughs> amen? He's going to be from that area, He's going to rise up, and it's going to be even an offspring of the, of, of the nation that destroyed the temple in the first place, right? So it says that there will, be, there will be a ruler rise up, and he will make a decree for seven sets of seven. For, for, yeah, for seven sets of seven. He will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but, but after half of the time, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offerings and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed and this def defiler is finally poured out on him. Amen. That at the end, that's what we're waiting for now. Just like Daniel was waiting for the decree to rebuild the temple, we're waiting for the decree, right, of a, of a peace treaty or, or, or an agreement for the Jews to, to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. 
right? And this stuff is happening on a daily basis. It's progressing. Like, if you watch the news, right, not, not the fake news, but the real news, right, and you see what's really going on in the world, right, that they're having meetings, right? Donald Trump just met with, you know, the, the leader, the prime minister of Israel, right, like just two days ago, talking about things, and there's all this stuff coming into motion, right? Not only will the Antichrist rise, but he will also rise with, with you know, a, a delegation, right? And there's a delegation, Pastor Dale was talking about it, with the, you know, European Union, right? They're, they're pretty much the embodied Roman, you know, government, like, so there's a lot of things that are taking place that we must be aware of, because what that means for us is that Jesus is coming back, right? That Jesus is coming back, and that if we're not ready, we're going to be like the Jews when Jesus first came, right? When Jesus first came, the Jews weren't ready. Why? Because they didn't listen to the prophecy, right? And they ha- now they're going through this whole time. Now, don't get me wrong, the Jews haven't been discarded. They're still God's people. God still has a plan for them. God just put them on hold for a little bit and said, okay, if you don't want me, then I'm going to deal with the Gentiles. Then I'm going to love the Gentiles. Then I'm going to graft them in, and I'm going to pour out my love upon them. And that's why we're here today. Right? Is anybody here a Jew? Spiritual Jew. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, we're all adopted in. Praise the Lord. Grafted in. Amen. Sister, you're still Latina. Come on now. Amen. So that's where we're at. But we must, we must uh, 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 pay attention to the prophecy that God gave, right? Because it's not just for the Jews, but it's also for us, right? Their time came, they missed the boat, right? Their boat came and they were at the airport, right? We want to make sure that when our boat comes, we're at the dock, ready with our luggage, with our flippers. We're ready to go saying, Jesus, take us, right? That we don't just sit back waiting, but no, we're actively waiting, right? We're actively waiting. We're continuing to serve God. We're continuing to, to you know, to give to our communities and, and be faithful in our church and, you know, still raise our children because it's easy that we think, oh, man, if God's coming back, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to stop paying my mortgage, you know, I'm going to stop paying my car payment, right? And then God says, well, maybe I'm going to wait another 10 years, right? And you're like, oh, man, right? See, now there is a time. There is, there is there is, you know, a, a measure of when God's going to come back. It's not a specific date, but it's when the fullness of the Gentiles come in that he's going to come, right? When, when there, God has a number. God has a number of, of the amount of people that are going to be saved, the Gentiles. We don't know what it is. So every time that we save somebody, we get a little bit closer, right? Every time that we lead somebody to Christ, we get a little bit closer. Every time we do shotgun and we do a revival and we do a street meeting and we have our life groups, we get a little bit closer, to that coming of Christ. Amen. That's why it's very important as Victor Outreach that we continue to be out there in the streets preaching. Amen. We don't want to be caught off guard like the, like the Jews when Jesus first came. Amen. See, as Daniel did not know when the clock would start, we do not know when the church age or the time of the Gentiles will end. Amen. See, the church age ends when the, rapture, when the, when the church is raptured. Amen. And the decree to rebuild the third temple is made, or a peace treaty. The final 70th week begins with a treaty and is made between the ruler, the Antichrist, and, 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 the, and it says, and the people. So, you know, most likely the Jews. In the final set of seven, the Antichrist will come from the same line of people who destroyed the last temple. Amen. So it makes a seven-year treaty, and it allows the temple to be rebuilt. In the midst of the seven years, three and a half years, he breaks the covenant. He stops the sacrifice. So if there's a stopping of the sacrifice, that means there has to be a start of the sacrifice. That's why I say there's going to be a decree to rebuild the temple, right? Because right now they don't have a place to sacrifice, but they have everything ready, 
right? There's a temple institute, and they have everything ready to start sacrifice. As soon as they have their temple built, boom, they're going to start it, right? Within a matter of days, right? Within a matter of months, like, it, it would, it, from the starting to the end, it could take a few weeks, a few months, and they'll be, they'll be doing it, right? So we have to keep our eyes and our, and, and our minds open to that, amen? And then after that, he will defile the holy place, right? And, and it's believed that he's going he's gonna to erect a statue or, or an idol, right, of, of the beast, right, of himself or, you know, of, of, of you know, just something that, that people are going to worship and it's going to defile the temple. And then that's where the mark of the beast comes, right? That those who, you know, if you don't accept the mark of the beast, then you will be killed. You won't be able to buy, sell, or do anything without the mark of the beast, right? That's a whole new, another thing. We're not going to get into that. But that's the 70 weeks of Daniel, amen? I wanted to focus mainly on the first 69 so that we can understand the importance that Jesus came exactly when he said he was going to come. Exactly when God said that the Messiah would come, the Messiah came, right? And he died for our sins, right? And he resurrected so that we can be free, Amen. Even though they didn't accept him, it gave us an opportunity to accept Christ. Amen. But that doesn't mean that the Jews are cast out or that they're, they're not loved by God. No, that means that we actually should pray for them. It means that we should actually reach out to them. Right. The Bible says to entice them with jealousy. Right. That, that what they could have had, we have. Right. That they would want it again and they would be ready the next time. Amen. So the 70th week is not for us, but it's for them. Amen. But prayerfully, they'll get saved right now. Prayerfully, they'll come to that knowledge right now so that when Jesus comes, they'll be, they'll be able to be taken with us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Like I said, it was a little teaching, numbers, stuff like that. Amen? But do you guys get something? Yeah. Amen? So I just, the main purpose, the main point that I wanted to get across is don't be afraid of prophecy. Amen? Don't be afraid of prophecy. Don't be afraid of the end times. Don't be afraid of eschatology. Amen? But be ready. Be prepared. Amen. Especially the young people. We want just all this like, but no, we, we got to study. We got to get into the word. Why? Because most likely you're going to be the ones that are here. Right. We're going to be the ones here. Right. I, I think it's ironic that we're called millennials. Right. And what's the reign of Christ called? The millennium. Right. I, I don't know if there's any correlation, any tie to it, but I think it's pretty crazy that we've it's got the same kind of name. Right. Who knows? It might come in our generation. Right? So we must get ready. We must be prepared. So what do we do with all of this? On one hand, we see how God is faithful to complete what he starts. Amen? God is faithful to complete what he starts. His plan is always on time. Amen? Whatever God is doing in your life, it's on time. Right? Whatever you're going through right now, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. There's a process for you to go through. Right? God has a destiny for you. God has, you know, uh, something great in store for you. Jesus came at just the right time, and God is de delaying his timeline for our sake. Right? We read that in 2 Peter 3, where he says, Don't think that God is being slow, but he's being patient for your sake. Right? Why hasn't God come back? Because he wants you saved. He wants your family saved. He wants your kids saved. He wants your loved ones saved. He wants your coworkers saved. Right? He's not being slow. God hasn't forgot. He's not being lazy. He's being patient. He's being patient. Because he wants all of us to be saved. He wants all of us to enter into his kingdom. Right? That's the reason why God didn't set a number for, the, for this time period. The in-between. Right? 
He didn't set a time because he could keep just postponing. He's like, no, there's still one more person. There's still a drug addict right there in the city of Dakota. There's still a gang member right there in Hayward. There's still a prostitute walking the streets, and I want to reach them. I need someone to go out there and to reach them. So God is delaying for our sake so that we may be saved. God is delaying for your family, for your friends. And even here tonight, if you don't know Christ, God is, de is delaying for you. He's delaying for you because he loves you, because he cares for you. He doesn't want you to perish. He don't want you to die in your sin. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to experience heaven and the kingdom of God. So as we stand here tonight, There's two things that I want to pray for. Number one is I want to pray for salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You may not understand all the, 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 the numbers and the timeline and the words that I use or the people that I refer to. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is that you understand that Jesus Christ came and he died for you so that you can live. That he fulfilled prophecy so that you can experience freedom and his mercy and his grace.